Hi, and welcome to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features true childhood stories from people from all walks of life. Each week, our guests will tell us a childhood memory and then tell us how it impacted their adult view of the world. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've had my share of painful childhood experiences, but I'd like to believe they've helped me to become a more empathetic person. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sideline Inc. Publishers, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's latest children's book, I've Got Peace in My Fingers, available worldwide on November 1st, 2019. Speaking of Susan Salador, each week we begin the show with a portion of her classic song, The Boo Boo Blues, which you can hear playing underneath my voice right now. Today, I'm honored to have as my guest, Alina Celeste, an award-winning children's singer and renowned YouTuber. Are you ready to tell your story, Alina? I think so. All right, well, here's the thing. What I try to do is keep my mouth shut and listen to your story. And then afterwards, I'm probably going to ask you one question. That one question is going to be, how has it impacted the way you view the world now as an adult? Okay, so um, I had to think about this, and I decided that my story would be about the day I realized my mom was a person. Because <laughs> I think a lot of kids, you know, you go through a period where you, you suddenly realize that your parents are just people like any other person. Um, but I am lucky enough to have an actual day when that happened. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, so I was about, I was 15 uh, when this happened. So, hmm, a little, a little backstory. My mom and I definitely went through a rough patch from like 12 to like 15 or so. Now, 30 years later, I have a few theories as to why that is. I think mostly we are just extremely different human beings. And I was not what she ever thought a daughter would be. Um, I don't mean that in a like, you know, I'm not the daughter that you wanted. But, you know, it's I wasn't, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I it just it was more that she had never encountered a me in a way. So we had we had just had very different interests and, and goals. We, we shared a love of reading. But other than that, you know, I had no interest in cooking I had no interest in gardening. I had no interest in crafting. I had no interest in clothes. I had no interest in fashion. I had no interest in, uh, and I was an introvert. And she was an extrovert who loved to sew and, you know, garden and hang out with her friends and make pretty things. And I just basically uh, rejected all of that as ways to spend someone's time. So I think, you know, we were just at odds uh, a lot in middle school and such. And then um, the summer that I was 15, uh, something changed. Now, I was personally, 11 to 15, I think, is probably one of the hardest periods in any girl's life anyways. Middle school's the worst. And um, I was always an introvert. I always had, like, one friend, you know. So that, it kind of narrows your world a little bit. Um, and so the summer that I was 15, uh, I was a self-centered jerk teenager, so I didn't really, I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was something wrong with my mom. And uh, she lost 30 pounds in three months. And I never saw her crying per se, but it sort of felt like she was crying all the time, if that makes sense. Like, I have no memory of her actually crying. <laughs> but I do remember a lot of her sort of being in the other room in a way that was odd. But, you know, I was self-centered and kind of a jerk, so, and reading my books alone in my room, so I wasn't really paying attention. 
and uh, cut to this one night, um, a neighbor, our next door neighbor, this is a whole other thing, but our next door neighbor uh, died suddenly in a plane explosion. Not a plane crash. Uh, it was a plane explosion. It was a, it was actually a terrorist act. It happened over Panama and uh, it was, it was not on the news in part for national security, but we knew because he was our next door neighbor and my mom went to his funeral and they were nice people. You know, we knew them. Um, and I remember she came home from the funeral and she was sobbing, like just absolutely sobbing, like just demoralized. And I remember thinking like, I mean, he was a nice man, but I, I feel like they weren't that close. <laughs> you know, this wasn't like a major loss in that sense. Obviously any loss of life is awful, but she was just a wreck. And I remember she went to her room and I was just kind of like, well, what's wrong with mom? I don't know. You know, and she asked me to come talk to her in her bedroom. And, you know, I felt bad for her. You know, I might've been a jerky teenager, but I still had some empathy, <laughs> you know, and she was really just a disaster. And she was laying on her bed and the room was dark and she asked me to come talk to her. And so I laid on the bed with her just kind of, you know, in my own like awkward teenage way thinking presence counts as sympathy, you know? <laughs> and so I was just there next to her and she was crying and she said, um, you know, I have to tell you something. And I just, I couldn't, you know, I was about Vincent, you know, our neighbor. <laughs> and she was like, no. When I was 18 years old, and she took this deep breath, pause, and I'll never forget this. In my head, I thought, you had a kid. She goes, I had a baby. And, you know, and I was like, how did I know that? You know? And I was like, okay. And she said, I, I had a son, and, you know, I, I, I gave him up for adoption. And he found me three months ago. I just listened, you know, and she was like, and, and so that's that's what's going, been going on. And you know, I, I just, I have to tell you because, you know, we're going to meet and, and, and I think that you should know. And I, and I remember, you know, she's like, what do you think? And I just said, that's cool, I guess. You know, I've always wanted a big brother because I was the oldest. I had two younger brothers and I was like, I thought it'd be cool to have a, a, an older brother. And she, she was so shocked at my reaction. And I was like, what, what's wrong? And she said, well, I just thought that you would think less of me, thought that you would be disappointed in me or think that I was, you know, bad or whatever. And I, and I remember just being like, why? You know, partly because it was just such a different culture that I grew up in. My mom grew up in this incredibly, you know, 19, in the early 60s. And it was a very Catholic family. She was one of eight. She had no idea how babies were made. She spent a lot of her early teenage years wanting to be a nun. And uh, she had... She had uh, her senior year of high school. My mom was a very shy teenager, which you'd never think she's such an extrovert, but she was a very shy, quiet kid. She had learning disabilities where, that went undiagnosed and, you know, was just beat up by teachers. And they moved her senior year in high school to another town. So she was already like a shy kid with just a couple friends who really needed socializing in a way that I had never needed it. You know, I was like, that sounds awesome. Just you and a bunch of books, you know? And, and so she, they moved to Gainesville and she met this boy and they were dating. And he told her that you can't possibly get pregnant on the first time. It doesn't work that way. And, and she got pregnant and she, she, she realized that a few months in, she hid it from her parents for about four months. She made it about four months until uh, her sister, who was the wild one was like, 
you're pregnant, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> and, uh, you know, her parents found out and they sent her away through a Catholic charity. She had to live with a family and clean their house in exchange for room and board until she had the baby. And she told me all of this that night. And she said, you know, because I asked, you know, what happened? And, and she said that they had drugged her because th at the time, this, so she had my brother in 1968. So they were still doing that thing where they, they, they knock you out. So they had drugged her, but my family has uh, notoriously weird reactions to drugs and the anesthesia didn't work and she woke up mid-labor, which is why she remembers the labor at all. And they took the baby away and I asked her if she'd seen him and she said, no, they told, they told me to forget that it had happened and they said it would be better if I didn't see the baby. So they, they took the baby away and she went home and everybody pretended that didn't happen and she didn't tell her brothers or sisters a few of them figured it out when they were older. You know, remember that time you went away for six months kind of thing? And um, and 20, I want to say 25 years went by. And she she told my dad, she told me, because, you know, I was like, does dad know? <laughs> and she told him uh, when they first started dating. And he said, I don't care. So she was kind of like, okay. But then that was it. They, they basically never spoke of it again. So 25 years goes by and... My brother, the, the brother that I discovered then, Don is his name. Should I say his name? <laughs> My brother uh, found her. He'd had a, a heart issue, which was fixed, but the doctor had asked him about his medical history, and he was like, you know, I'm adopted. So he, he began this journey at 22 to find her, and it took three years, but he did find her at 25. She got a call from a Catholic charity that said, you know, we help children who are adopted find their birth parents, and we have your son would you like to meet him and she said okay and so that whole summer she was talking to him all the time and she was I think looking back it was probably part of the reason we had such a hard time because you know I was a self-centered self-pitying teenager and here she was essentially finally processing all those feelings she had as an 18 year old who was alone and pregnant and you know had to give up this baby so I think she was kind of a teenager too, <laughs> you know, processing her feelings that whole summer and losing weight and not talking. And, and she was so scared that we, my brothers and I, but that I would think that she was some kind of like dirty slut. So she was so, and I remember in that moment, you know, when she said, I thought that you would think, you know, that I was dirty or like not worthy of you or whatever. I remember thinking like, oh, my mom's just a person, <laughs> you know, just like anybody else. And she has this nickname in her family, St. Cecilia, because she's a, she's like, she would give you the clothes off her, you know, just the clothes off her back is like such a trope, but it's such a stereotype. But yes, oh my God, she, she'll drop anything for anyone always. So she was so good. And here I was this like kind of ornery, cranky kid, you know, who like didn't want to play with the other kids a lot. <laughs> And so here was my mom who everybody loved and she was so nice and she was so pretty and she did all these things so well. And so it was like, oh, she makes mistakes. She made a mistake. And I didn't like judge her. I didn't think she was like bad for that. But I was just like, that's so cool. You know, she makes mistakes and she's just a person with this whole history that had just never occurred to me, you know, that she had a life before she was my mother you know, full of ridiculousness and mistakes. And, and it's not that she hadn't told me stories about her life before then, but somehow they were sort of like fairy tale stories. 
you know, like my dad is, is Cuban. He used to tell us these stories about him as a child in Cuba. And it was, it's literally like fairyland, you know? And so all of a sudden here was this real world thing with consequences. She was going to go meet him, which is why she finally felt like she had to tell us. And it was happening. It was a real thing with proof, you know, there's like proof. So that was the day I realized that my mom was a person. And after that, for many years, we, we became extremely close. Somehow knowing that helped us bridge our other differences in personality. Yeah. And so from then on, um, yeah, I had a lot less issues with my mom. <laughs> and and you know, what's it called at the end of the book? The uh, starts with an E. Epigraph? Epitaph? Epitaph, yeah. Epitaph. The epitaph is, we met my brother, Don. It's now been 25 years Mm. since I met him. And um, we're we're all close to him. When I first met him, I was 15 and he was 25, so he felt like a cool uncle, you know? But now I'm 40 and he's 50. And he really does feel like a brother. Like, it's kind of weird that I don't have any childhood memories of him, you know? But, yeah, he's just, he's my brother, Don. And my dad accepted him and loved him and and we're all my mom and and my brother super close we joke all the time the three of us uh, are a lot more like my dad and his side of the family and my brother don who was not raised by my mother is so much like my mom they're just really alike they have all these weird little quirks that they share um and th- their personalities you know don is just as generous as my mom with his time and with his love so, uh, but yeah, we all get along. But that was the day. That was the day I found out that my mom was a person. That was a beautiful story. I mean, I really didn't know where I was going to go. <laughs> and I was trying to stay out of it reaction-wise uh, because my audience knows that I don't want to be part of the story. I just want to listen. But I do have to ask you now, how do you think it's impacted your life as an adult? I would say that that was one of my most profound lessons uh, in terms of other human beings and how everybody has a history and a story that you don't know about. You know, we all carry with us this massive story and it's something that I'm always aware of when I meet other people. I think it's helped me to be more kind because usually when people have like weird negative reactions, I almost never take it personally because I don't know what's going on with them, you know? And my reaction is often to be like, oh, that poor person's probably unhappy instead of what a jerk, you know, or, I mean, let's be fair. Sometimes I say what a jerk, but for the most part, it's really, it's made me very interested in the stories of others and very aware that we all carry with us all kinds of stories and baggage and history and assumptions that guide us that are invisible. I think that has, that has profoundly affected my life. I believe it has. I know you to be a very kind person. I want to thank you for sharing your story with us. It was a beautiful story. Thank you. I will carry with me St. Cecilia uh, <laughs> with, with me that for a while. Well, that's it for this week's Tell Me What Happened. I hope you enjoyed the story. I certainly did. I'm going to end this week's show a little bit differently. I'm going to end it with an Alina Celeste song entitled Stardust. Thanks again for listening. And as always, stay safe out there. And try not to hurt anybody. Oh, we're all just a little piece of stardust. We're all just a little piece of sky. And if we ever should be parted, 
I'll look up and see a piece of you and I If you should ever feel lonely If you should feel you're not alright Just look into the quiet night sky The stars will shine till things are bright Cause we're all just a little piece of stardust just a little piece of a sky And if we ever should be parted I'll look up to see a piece of you and I Long, long ago The sky came alive The light was an ocean The ocean was life And all the universe was bright Night made day Just look up to see a piece of you and I